listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. I am so honored that Pastor Travis Johnson would take time to be with us today. This is a busy man. He is a busy man. And I, I, I've known Travis for many, many years. We both grew up as pastor's kids. PKs were the ones that got into trouble. Uh, his dad pastored in Florida. My dad pastored in Florida. We've, we've, some things we'll just leave alone. And um, no, no, it's true what they say about PKs most of the time. But we've raised better kids than we were, right? We've raised better kids than we were. I, I agree with that. <laughs> Travis, you are not good, bro. The reputation precedes you. Um, <laughs> Travis pastors a wonderful church in Mobile, Alabama. It's a multi-site church, and they just announced last Sunday that they're even moving into the next county. And uh, we're excited about what God is doing in their lives at Pathway Church in Mobile and the surrounding area. Mark and Rachel and Mandy and I had the opportunity last February, I believe it was, that we, we spent some time there and we were, got to attend on a Wednesday night. And man, there was just a strong move of God and it's, it's very evident. There's an excitement in their church that reminds me a lot of DCC. And uh, so I felt very at home there and, and it was great. But man, this guy is, is busy. I told you he's busy, he is busy. He is also elected by his peers to serve on, on one of the highest boards, committees, whatever you want to call it, in, in all of the Church of God. He is on the Council of 18. And um, I, I appreciate him being there and the things that he fights for and the stand that he takes. And um, it's pastors like me that, that just have a, a, a good reassurance in knowing that men like Travis Johnson are sitting in those seats. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. He is also the executive director for People for Care and Learning, and they are just making a difference all around the world. And um, I could go on and on and tell you what this guy is doing. He and his wife together are the founders of Biotree Change a Life, and we get to be a part of what God is doing in their lives because of the vision that God gave them. I'm not going to steal the thunder. I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about that story and how it happened. But would you put your hands together and make my friend, Pastor Travis Johnson, welcome. Rocky, love you, man. Hey, you guys, give your pastor a great big hand. And it, it does feel really good to be here. Uh, I tell people all the time, if you can't get to heaven, at least get to Mobile, because it's a pretty great place. But Destiny Community Church, I put it right there. Now, get to heaven. Everybody, please get to heaven. That's, don't take me literally, but um, just a really wonderful uh, place to be today. You did something right when you named this church Destiny. Your destiny, you're walking in it, but there's still so much more, and you can feel it in the air. What a beautiful thing. Um, I know that your grand opening here was not the most ideal time, but let's be honest, nobody wants to do 2020 or 2021 over again. Thank God that you stepped in your destiny right in the middle of one of the most challenging seasons your community has ever experienced. God is at work through you. Don't stop. Keep pressing in. Keep showing Jesus. It's an awesome thing. Can we just bless the Lord for what he's doing here at DCC? It's so great to be a part of it. And uh, yeah, Rocky and I, we were youth camp kids at Lake Waimama. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was, we were talking yesterday. I used to shoot uh, spitballs out of the balcony during camp meeting services there. 
And uh, then in the old tabernacle, I don't know how many of you guys have been to the tabernacle and why mom, anybody raise your hand. Uh, I used to crawl up underneath the, the stage in the old tabernacle. I remember looking up and Ray Hughes was up there preaching somewhere. And uh, we're just church kids, just church kids. And there's no better place for kids to be than in church. And so I thank God for every kid that is running church. I thank God for every kid that has got in and torn something up, spilled something on some carpet. Praise God to be raised in the house of the Lord and to hear people praying and worshiping and um, serving. And boy, what a wonderful environment. It will change someone's destiny to be in a place like this. Don't take it for granted. I know a lot of times when you sit in a place like this, it just seems normal. But what you have is not normal. DCC is amazing. Go ahead and give yourselves a great big hand clap for just all that the Lord is doing in your life. Rocky, Mandy, thank you so much for being our friends and for showing up. When you guys showed up and buy a tree, you set the bar high. Now we're all having to hustle a little bit more. Work harder. You said I'm busy. Thanks for making me busier. I appreciate it. Uh, To the Woodstuffs, you guys are incredible. Those sponsors up there, awesome. Awesome. In the words of Jerry Maguire, show me the money, man. Show me the money. That's awesome. You guys keep going out and serving in your community and loving kids. It's changing lives. Literally, it is. You know, uh, Rocky, when we started by a tree, it wasn't an accident. It was a small group missions project that just got out of control. Uh, We had a Coast Guard family that was adopting a little girl from Ethiopia, and we just wanted to help raise money. And so one of the guys had sold Christmas trees in Miami Beach. I grew up in Miami. Like, Miami Beach is Jewish, largely. And I thought, what are these Hanukkah bushes, right? So (laughs) I thought, if you could sell Christmas trees in Miami Beach, we could sell them in South Miami, which is Catholic. And so we sold Christmas trees. We raised $25,000, and we were able to pay for that adoption. Now, let me tell you this. We bought 600 trees. I wanted 1,200 my first year. Somebody talked me out of it. Praise God, or there probably would not be a buy a tree change of life. We sold 450. Uh, There was a new convert in our church. It had just gotten out of prison. He was running security in the tent. He sold 70 on the side at night, so we lost 70. We didn't get the money. He's still working on his discipleship process. We love him. We love him. And then we had a bonfire with the other 80. It was it was an awesome, I had my elders out in pickup trucks down by Walmart hawking uh, Christmas trees, you know, like uh, something else. It was awesome. And we had so much fun. We had people come to Jesus in that tent. We had one guy that volunteered in the tent, first time he'd ever been on a church property. He accepted Christ, and that Sunday was baptized in service. I said, this is not normal, what's going on with this? Um, we had... We have political leaders coming and buying trees for social media exposure and had such a great time. We took their money, took a picture. I put it on Facebook with them. Come to church. I'm talking about some of the top um, political leaders. If I said their name, you would know some of them. Come to Christ, step into church that next Sunday, and they're still sitting in that church today. Just amazing. That's when I realized that this was more, this was more than just a Christmas tree sale. And I never thought I'd be selling Christmas trees. I've only grown into the gray hair on my beard. I'm only just now becoming Santa. The fried food in Alabama is hurting me. It's, it's, it's working, right? But um, we realized we're not selling Christmas trees. We're giving hope. And it's hope for these kids, but it's also hope for us. 
I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but in Mobile, here's what I find is that so many of the people that serve and give in that Christmas tree tent are as benefited and blessed as the kids are who receive the resources that you raise. That's what we've experienced. Uh, One little Puerto Rican grandmother that was a part of our church, uh, she had come to Christ later on in her life. Her entire family had gotten saved. And uh, I walked into the Christmas tree tent. Her name is Maria Caballero. Maria, if you're watching, I love you. Um, I really would love some arroz con dules. It would be very nice about right now. Uh, Maria grabbed me by the arm and she said, Pastor, I'll never be able to go to Cambodia. It's too late in life. There's a lot of things. But every time I'm in this Christmas tree tent, I'm in Cambodia serving those kids. And I just said, I just want to be a part of this. I want to spend the rest of my life helping to expand this thing. And it has been a privilege. And we count it an honor to have you a part. And thank you for challenging us. The work that you do, the more money you raise, the more volunteers that you mobilize, the more tree toppers you get, which I have to learn more about that because you guys have something going on here. I want to press that into the rest of buy a tree. The more you do that, the more it raises elsewhere because you raise the temperature in the room. Thank God that DCC is not a thermometer. Thank God that DCC is a thermostat. You guys change the environment. So, so thankful for that. Hey, can I just brag on some of the things that you're doing? Brag on you guys. Hey, meet some of our kids from uh, our children's home in CM Reap. These are some of our kids. Aren't those some handsome little fellas right there? They're amazing world changers. And um, our commitment to these kids is we will love them, nurture them, care for them, feed them, clothe them, house them, educate them. And then uh, when they graduate from high school, whatever college they get accepted into, we will pay for their college. And one of the reasons that we do this is because uh, one thing that children's homes and orphanages do, it just delays the onset of poverty and human trafficking and that sort of thing until they leave that home. Drug addiction, this happens a lot in kids coming out of children's homes. So the recidivism rate for kids coming out of children's homes is very high. So we said, listen, this is a family. This is not just a home. This isn't a house. This is an institution, an organization. This is a family. And so when you leave our children's home, you can come back anytime because what, what mama and what daddy doesn't let their kids come back. So they're a part of our family. We take them on through college. A lot of these kids end up working for our organization in Cambodia. In fact, in 2020 uh, and 2021, just like you guys, there are a lot of things that closed. We just opened a restaurant in Cambodia, in Siem Reap, Cambodia, just this last week. It's called Bonfire Grill. I, I didn't even bring this, these pictures. I'll share them sometime. But we took some good Southeast barbecue, took it right into Southeast Asia to show them. And, uh, and you know, there's a lot of expats, tourists, and that sort of thing. So we're able to sell great food. It's as nice as any, res- it's as nice as any restaurant we've been to. And then we give away all the profits to help fund the children's home. So we're working on self-sufficiency in the event that we ever have another 2020 come along, we aren't fully dependent on uh, donations and that sort of thing, but just beautiful things. So there are kids in children's homes in Southeast Asia and other places, schools, learning centers, uh, all kinds of things that are happening. So thankful for that. I don't want you to look at the whole, though. I want to take and introduce you to a young lady by the name of Sopal. Sopal, I have a before and after picture. When she came into our lives, she was abandoned. And because we take our kids on through school, I think I have that picture there. Uh, When we take kids on through school, she went on through school. She ended up going into medical school. And we now, she's no longer So Paul. She is now Dr. So Paul. And so Dr. So Paul, she is practicing medicine in the community where she was abandoned. And so here she is with my wife uh, at an event that we call Fight Like a Mom. She was with us. 
um, in 2019. And so in this event, we had Crystal Evans Hurst, is Tony Evans' daughter, and we had uh, Diane Tagovailoa, Tua's mom. Now, I don't want to tread into any area. I know this is gator country, right? I know this is gator country, but I see, I see you, I see you, right? But uh, of course, Tua was a big star in Alabama. And, and so when Diane Tagovailoa, who this is a woman, spirit-filled woman, praying woman, I mean, gospel woman, raising those kids to love Jesus. When she stepped up the platform, standing ovation, but nobody got a bigger standing ovation than Dr. So Paul when she stepped to the stage. I'm telling you, it, this is changing lives. When we started Biotree Change a Life, we thought about calling it Biotree Save a Life, but that sounded like over-promising. You know, that, that sounded pretty ambitious. So we said, change a life that's more doable. No, we could have called it Biotree Save a Life because it is Buy a tree, save a life, change a life is actually saving lives. And so that's some of our crew there. I'm so thankful for them and all that God is doing in their lives. And I wanted to come here today to tell you face-to-face, thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your love. And I'm so blessed, so honored. You guys are world changers. Just one more time. Let's give the Lord a big, great big hand. And then stand to your feet with me. Let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer. God, we come to you. I come to you today uh, asking two things. One, Lord, that you would help DCC in their Biotree Change of Life season, Father, to bring great joy to their people, that the, word would be, the work would be excellent, would reflect your grace and your goodness. And Father, that a great deal of work would be done and things would be accomplished that would change the destinies and the lives of kids who are greatly loved by you. And I pray that you would help us all to see that we are so much bigger than what we do. You're accomplishing something through each of us together. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for loving us so much that you would give him to us. And thank you for loving us more and giving us this great global family called the church. Thank you that we are all brothers and sisters today. If we've placed our trust in you, I pray that you would do your good, strong work in us through this event. And Lord, right now, through your word, pray that it would change lives, it would change families. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. Grab a seat. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 13 today. And as I do, I want you to be thinking about your life and your family, the people that you love. Does anybody in here have somebody in your life that you love that is not following Christ right now? Does anybody have anybody like that? in your life, and you're asking that God would do a strong work in them. Is there somebody that you pray they spend an eternity with Jesus instead of an eternity separated from God in a place that wasn't even created for us, in a place called hell that is real, there is a heaven, there is a hell, there is an eternity, and God has a plan to rescue, not only rescue us from hell, but to reconcile us back to Jesus. Is there anybody in your life, you say, Pastor, there is a name and a face in my mind, and I'm asking God to do a strong work in them today. Just go ahead and lift up your hand right now. I'm going to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you also about some of the cultural challenges that we're facing right now that we, I have never seen anything like this moment that we're in. I've never seen it. I've never, as a pastor, things have moved so rapidly this last two years. Things that would have never been okay to say and do are now okay to say and do. In fact, it's not only okay if you oppose it, what's wrong with you? 
where everything that is normal and right is no longer normal and right. And the things that are not right now are right. Boy, that sounds a lot like the scriptures. The Bible talks about the things that are not good now called good. I want to talk to you about that because it's coming into our church. It's coming to our homes. It's coming into our schools and our communities. And we are not helpless. Let me tell you something. Pastor, you don't understand. The church just isn't like it used to be. We just don't have the strength like we used to have. God isn't moving like he used to. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is not less powerful in 2021 than he was in 1970, is he? No, man, let me tell you. The same Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead is alive in me. He's alive in you, and he's here in this house right now. Here's the problem. There is nothing that has changed about God. We, he is the constant. We're the variable. So if there's a problem, let's not blame it on the church. Let's not blame it on Jesus. Let's just go right here. God, won't you use me? Won't you empower me to do your work? Is there anybody that's ready to be used of the Lord? Okay, I want to talk to you about that. And I also want to give you some encouragement for when the gospel is not received by people. I'm going to start there and then I'm going to get to maybe another level. I'm going to share two stories after that that's, that'll be a little bit instructive, and then I'm going to try to call you to be one of those, okay? Matthew chapter 13, verse 3, Jesus is sharing a parable. The Bible says, he told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. This is known as the seed and the sower. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered them across his field, some seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with uh, underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they did not have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Amen. That's the kind of harvest I want. Anybody want to harvest like that? Let me tell you how that works really quickly. You know, you plant a, uh, one kernel of corn, it brings one stalk. A stalk has four or five ears. An ear has five or 600 kernels of corn. So 600 times five, that's 3,000 pieces of corn. 3,000 times the return of what was initially planted. So that's the kind of return I want. But then we see right there in this passage, not all of the seed makes it. Today, I want to say to you, let the seed Live. Say it with me. Let the seed live. One more time, really good. Let the seed live. Now, seeds want to live. The seed is always trying to grow. I learned this. I learned this. Uh, in 2002, Kelly and I had just bought a house. We we're living in Miami on Coral Reef, South Miami. Loved this house. It was beautiful. I couldn't believe that we could own a house like this. Had a swimming pool. We had palm trees. And I was planting palm trees all the time. My, my brother-in-law, he was in landscaping. Every day he'd bring me home a new palm tree. So I had royal palms. I had sable palms. I had coconut palms. I had all kinds of beautiful palm trees. It was like an Amazonian rainforest in that place. I loved it. And the problem was in the middle of those trees, over in the corner, there was a black olive tree that I had, and it was a male. So a female tree doesn't really drop its leaves, but the male black olive tree drops lots of leaves, and they were messing with my pool. And because I'm cheap, I do all of the maintenance on my own pool. And I was tired of dealing with that, so I said, oh, forget this. I went to my garage, grabbed my chainsaw, and I cut that sucker off as low as I possibly could. I drug it out of there, and I was like, now what you going to do about that tree? 
And uh, go, time goes by. I'm happy. Two weeks later, I come walking back by. There's a little green shoot of growth coming up out of that stump where I had cut this tree down. So I broke it off. Two weeks later, I come back. Another green shoot of growth coming up out of this tree. I went and got my DeWalt, the biggest drill bit I could get. I drilled holes all in the trunk. I, probably 13 is what I said in the first service, but since I'm a pastor, I'm going to speak evangelistically. It's about 17 holes I drilled in there. I got a whole bottle of Roundup. I poured Roundup all in there. I probably have a lawsuit. I've seen the, I've seen the commercials, you know, and, and I thought that surely is going to take care of this situation. Two weeks later, I walk by. There's a green shoot of growth coming up out of that trunk. I went and talked to a friend of mine, Bill Rance. His wife was my junior high school teacher. Because I was such a good kid, I never got in detention by anybody else. But Mrs. Rance always would put me in detention. And so we had some history. I went to Bill. He's in landscaping. I said, Bill. And now I'm his pastor. Which, pastoring your junior high school teacher that has put you in detention. That's a, Courtney, cover your ears, baby. This is my daughter, by the way. My 18-year-old daughter. Courtney, wave at everybody. You guys welcome my, my daughter. She's... She's amazing. She's amazing. Um, actually, she recently got her ACT scores, and Kelly, my wife, cried, and I went and bought a boat because I knew I wasn't going to pay for a college. I'm, <laughs> baby, I love you. So proud of you. Um, so I went to Bill, the landscaper. I said, Bill, I tell him the story. And I said, I just can't kill this thing off. He said, Pastor, see, you just don't understand. He said, things just want to live. And boy, is that true? Is that true? Have you ever seen somebody spend a whole lifetime accumulating wealth only to spend it in the last two weeks, last three months, last six months of their life just trying to live one more day? Is that something wrong with people? No, that's something God puts in us because we want to live. Have you ever heard of somebody that has gotten injured badly, some kind of terrible wound, some kind of terrible injury, and maybe someone would say, hey, we... We, we don't need to render that kind of care. Or this baby was uh, uh, survived an, an abortion. And even up in Virginia right now, which it blows my mind. That, oh, well, this child won't have uh, a good quality of life. So uh, a, a doctor and a parent can, of their own decision, determine whether this independent human being has the right to live after it was born. Crazy. That baby wants to live. That old man wants to live. You know, everybody that went through this last season, if you got COVID and you were having a hard time breathing, you just wanted to breathe. It's in the seed. The seed wants to live. The gospel wants to live. God has a plan for each one of us, each one of us. But the enemy also has a plan and the enemy wants to take us out. The enemy wants to take out our children. He wants to take out our purpose. He wants to remove the plan of God from our life. He wants to distract us. If he can't destroy us, he'll distract us. He'll get it just a little off course. We might succeed at one thing, but it might not have been the thing that God wants us to succeed at. We might have to have a good moral life, but we don't have a good life in Jesus Christ, right? And so there's all kinds of tools that the enemy uses, but I'm telling you, no matter where you are in your journey, whether you're a church kid, I cut my teeth on the pew. I, I fell asleep under the pew. When my dad pastored the Dover Church of God, I fell asleep under the pew during a revival. And when I woke up, they had locked up the church, turned off the lights and left. I thought Jesus came and I had been left behind. <laughs> right. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a church kid your entire life. 
and you, you have avoided all kinds of problems in your life, listen, God has a plan for you today. But if you came into this place in bondage, in addiction, in brokenness, in dysfunction, uh, far from Jesus, nobody wants to have anything to do with you. You're surprised that even anybody wants to sit on the same row with you. Let me tell you today that you too, God has a plan for your life. You know, if you have worked and you succeeded and you've built a business and you have affluence and you have influence, but you're far away from Jesus, listen to me. Listen to me. God has a plan for your life. Aren't you glad that God has a plan for our lives? He put it in us that we, he put it in us that uh, we would have a desire, a desire to live. Now, this story that Jesus gives about the seed falling on good ground on rocky ground, on thorny ground, ground where the birds will come out, sun will burn it up, and then some will land in good soil. I believe that Jesus tells us this, one, so that we'll know that, hey, not everyone is going to receive Jesus. Not everyone is going to accept Jesus. There'll be people that reject Jesus. Hey, there was this well-meaning professor that he, he was off. He was off. He, told, he was talking to me. He said, you know, pastor, he was a Christian professor, Bible professor. He said, we just need a better retelling of the gospel. Listen, the gospel doesn't need to be improved upon. It just needs to be preached. It just needs to be preached. If you want to see more harvest, plant more seed, right? But I think Jesus told us this because when people reject the gospel, we need to be encouraged to know that they are not rejecting us, but they're rejecting Jesus. So let's be faithful at doing what Christ has called us to do. And this is truth. This is truth. How many of you know the words of Jesus are true? But as I say that, I want something more. I don't want to see my kids' friends having gospel seed land in their life only to have the birds pluck it away and then not know Jesus. You know, I want all my kids' friends to know Jesus. I want my kids to know Jesus. I want my wife to know Jesus. I want my neighbors to know Jesus. I want my church family to know Jesus. Let me tell you, not everybody at Pathway Church is going to go to heaven. Not everybody at DCC is going to go to heaven. There are people, one, that's only the, the right way. How many of you know we want the whole town to come into this place? We want people walking in here that there are worse sinners that have ever walked the face of the earth come in and be loved at this place. But there'll be a lot of people. They, they come in the, there are a lot of people that have been baptized a thousand times. They're just going to go to hell wet. That's all that's going to happen. There's been no life change has taken place in their life. But I don't want to see that. I want to see everybody in my circle of influence know Jesus. Am I the only one here today that, that wants that? I, I believe that there's some people that say, I want more than what Jesus, than just what Jesus was talking about in this place. Now, really quickly, um, if you go over into Isaiah chapter 38 and 39, I'm not going to read this, but it, it's some homework for you to look at. This is the story of Hezekiah. You know, Hezekiah gets sick. Um, he's told that he's going to die, and he turns his face to the wall. He weeps and prays, and because of his prayer and his passion, and he's going after God, the Lord says, I'm going to give you 10 extra years. And during those 10 years, he made some poor leadership decisions and he allowed an enemy force to come into the temple and come into the palace, come into the kingdom and see all the wealth. And because of that, this enemy force decided that they were going to conquer uh, Israel. And then in chapter 39, Isaiah gives a word to Hezekiah and he says, listen, this is what's going to happen. He says, there is going to be a battle. 
and some of your own children will be taken off in captivity. They will be made eunuchs, but you and your people are going to survive. And Hezekiah, after having such a great miracle, he came back and responded. He said, this is good because there will be peace in my day. What he was saying is, I'm comfortable to live in the affluence. I'm comfortable to live in prosperity and blessing and health, even if my own seed is rendered unable to produce a harvest themselves. I'm okay with it. Let me tell you, I am not okay with it. I'm not. In 2021, listen, I've just, I pulled my staff together. There are things that our kids are facing that we didn't face. We didn't face it. They're They're putting emojis, they're putting pronouns, they're putting things on their Instagram. They don't even know exactly what they're doing. Here's what I said. We are not going to leave our kids and our church unshepherded. We're not going to do it. If somebody, if some wolf is getting into this gate to get after our people, they're going to do it over my dead body. And we're going to show up. We're going to show up to this conversation and we are going to love our community and serve our community, but we're going to love Jesus more. And we're going to love Jesus enough that we will stand and speak when the enemy shows up to take our children and our family members and our neighbors into captivity. Yeah, praise God, the seed wants to live. The problem is not with the seed. The problem is with our ground. The problem is with the soil, the thorns and the rocks. That's Hezekiah. That's Hezekiah's posture. I feel like we've got some folks in this room today that would like to be a little bit different. Over in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 23, in David's last moments, there's a recounting of his mighty men. And this is, this is really what's on my heart. This is what's on my heart. This is, I feel like this is what By a Tree is about. I feel like this is what Destiny Community Church is about. I feel like this is what Pathway Church is about. I feel like it's about saying we will go as far as we have to go to share Christ with people. We'll reach around the world to do it. And when we reach around the world, we aren't going to step over our own community to do it. Just like we want to help kids from a long ways away from us, we want to help kids that, look, we've, we've got families that are within the shadow of a church building, but they're far from Jesus. I feel like this is what we have. Second uh, Samuel chapter 23, you see a listing of David's mighty men of valor. There's 37. 37 is a weird number because within that 37, you have two groups. You have the three and you have the 30. It makes me feel like the extra seven were bonuses. These were guys that were not invited to the club, but they came anyway. It's like they were persistent. Anybody get to go to any cool places, but you don't get invited. You just invite yourself. Can I just be honest? That's this guy right here. I feel like I'm, you know, the parable of the talents, the one, the two, and the five talent guy. I feel like I'm a solid two-talent guy that's an overachiever. I'm a hustler, right? That's what I kind of, I think that's what the seven were here in the 37, that they just, there was a need that presented itself and a challenge, and they rose to the challenge to meet the need. I think that's what it was. Second Samuel chapter 23. Within the 37, there were the three, three mightiest men, uh, three mightiest warriors, Eleazar, um, and then you, uh, you have Jeshoabim, and then the third is Shama, right here in verse 11. Listen to this. Next in rank, next in rank was Shama, son of Ag, from Harar. And then they tell a story. 
One time the Philistines gathered at Lehi and attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. The Israelite army fled, but Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. There's a few things that I want to point out about this. First of all, don't tell me that one man, one woman called by God can't make a difference. There's no way. Thank God for the crowd. Thank God for the beautiful building. Thank God for the space. But thank God for that praying mama that won't stop praying, that's lifting her voice up to the Lord, that won't let go of the horns of the altar and God, until God answers. Thank God for that. Another thing is thinking about how that right now we are living in a culture where the Philistines have shown up and the church hadn't known what to do. It seems to me like a lot of the church has adopted all kinds of language, adopted all kinds of ideology. They sound good. It sounds good. It's well-meaning by some. By others, it's a toxic, terrible, manipulative structure that is seeking to undo, cult, uh, um, undo values, um, un undo the kingdom of God, undo anything that, that stands for righteousness. The Philistines have shown up. Listen, they've come to our homes. The enemy isn't out there. The enemy is in a me. The enemy is in this house. The enemy is in our mind. Listen, listen to me. I just came from Mobile. I'm just a nobody, but I found a seat at the table, and I just want to tell you, don't you dare leave the battlefield because the battle is the Lord's. It's the Lord's. He will never lose. He will never fail. I think Shama understood that. When the Philistines showed up, Shama went out into the middle of the field, even though everybody had left, and he stayed in the fight. And here's the mechanics of it. This is, this is, what, I, this is what I think happened. You know the story of Shamgar where he killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad? I think a lot, or Samson when he killed all those uh, Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. I think we think of it like Popeye. You know, Popeye eats the spinach, and then all the Philistines line up, and then he just punches them, and then punches them, and punches them. It was one after another. They just keep falling over like, let me wait my turn to get my tail whooped by Popeye, right? I don't think that's how it worked. I think the enemy was coming onto the field, and Shama just went out into the middle of the field and found one and took him out and then took out another. And then probably what happened is Jeshoabim or Eleazar, one of the three, said, oh, no, not today, Satan. Not today. Shama might go down swinging, but he is not going to go down alone because I'm going to get on the field with him. And let me tell you something, Destiny Community Church. If DCC is taking lumps, Pathway is taking lumps too. If you guys are in the fight, we're in the fight too. Rocky, if you got... As long as I got food in my cupboard, you got food in your cupboard. If somebody around here is going to die, they are not going to die alone because we are going to get on this battlefield together. I think when Shama stepped out there and Eleazar and Jeshoabim came out, then what happened is the rest of the army began coming back. Just like when Jonathan crossed over that ravine with his armor bearer and killed those uh, dozen um, uh, Philistines on about a half acre of a property, what happened in that situation is... Saul's tired army, 
which let me tell you, a tired lieutenant never takes new ground. But Saul's tired army was reinvigorated because Jonathan went into the battle and the people that had defected and were with the Philistines turned and started shanking the Philistines in the side. And the people that had fled to the mountains, they came out of the mountains to join the victory. Listen, rats leave sinking ships. But when you start to win, listen, destiny, when you start to win, people say, hey, I want to get involved in this thing. Let me tell you, the church that is going to make an impact in this community is not going to be a weak, emaciated, tired, scrawny, cheap, sorry, whining, complaining, negative, Facebook trash talking church. It's going to be a victorious church that is walking in the power of God, right? And and so I, I think just like that, when the enemy joined with Jonathan, I think that's what happened that turned the tide. Shama comes out carrying the flag like Mel Gibson in the movie Patriot. He's running while everybody else is running the wrong way. He's running the right way into the battle until people go, hey, wait a second. I'm going with him. I believe that destiny and pathway have an opportunity not only to grow the kingdom in our church, but inspiring other churches to be gospel faithful and to stand in this moment. So what does that mean? What do we do when our kids show up affirming some kind of uh, ideology that's anti-biblical, anti-God? What do we do? We go over here and we say, well, that's a thorn of ideology. Let me pluck that sucker up. What does the Bible say about that? It says that we, as the body of Christ, tear down vain imaginations that exalt itself above the name of Jesus Christ. So let me just take that. Let me pull it down. I'm not just going to trash talk you about it. But let's go and see what the word of God has to say. Oh, you don't like the word of God? Well, let me tell you this. Did you know, did you know that just begin to cite, I mean, real evidence about what God does when a family stays together. When a family says, thank God that God can redeem any situation. But did you know that God knew what he was doing when he put together the family? And we can begin to tear down those things. You know what? My neighbor, my neighbor, he doesn't want to go to church because he thinks there's a bunch of hypocrites in the church. Well, this is a stone of offense right here in the field. And, and the seed can't grow around this stone. So you know what? This is my field. Let me just take this stone and let me get, get rid of that. Let's say to my friend now, hey, why not come to church? What's one more hypocrite? What's one more? You know what I mean? It's not going to hurt for one more to be in there. And besides, you know what? You know me. I've made some mistakes, but man, I love you. It'd be awesome. You'd love it. Just begin to move the thorns and the stones and Prepare, because here's the deal. This is the difference between what Jesus was talking about, what Shama was talking about. Because Shama was standing in his field, in his lentil field. I can afford to see a battle lost in somebody else's field. But when it's my family, when it's my church, when it's my community, no. Not today, Satan. Not today. I've worked my whole life for my three kids. And I'm not going to hand them over to some kind of ideology. I'm not going to hand them over to some teacher that, that doesn't care about them, that has their agenda. I'll take their agenda. I'll put it where it's, stick it where the sun don't shine. We're going to have a conversation. You know, we're we're going to have a little talk with Jesus right now. Uh, is that going to get me banned from the school? Well, I don't want to do it like that. You know, I don't want to do it like that. But let me tell you something. You mess with my kids. You mess with my wife. You mess with the bull. You're going to get the horns. You know what I'm saying? It's time for us to stand in the middle of our field and say, I'm not moving. I'm not moving. God gave me this land. This was my daddy's land. This was my daddy's daddy's land. And I'm not going to have it for the fourth generation and then give it up just because somebody comes along and wants to take it. This 
family. I dedicated my kids to the Lord. I stood there. Pastor Rocky held my babies, which I would never ask to hold the baby because to me, I leaned over when you did that. I said, that's risky. That's risky. That's just me as a pastor. But I was there. I saw, I saw the church pray. I saw the church to commit. And in the day of my trouble, here's what I know. God's going to show up. He's going to take care of this thing. So what do we do? We cultivate the soil. It's shallow. It's shallow. They don't know that's okay. We're going to spend more time. What are we going to do? His words will be continually in our mouth. We will write his words on the doorposts of our homes. We're going to tie them on our fingers. We're going to look for opportunities. It's such a privilege for me to have my daughter traveling with me today. I want her to see churches like DCC. I want her to know that she's, I want our family, I want our church to know they're not the only ones that are out there. Listen, the crowd may have gone away a little bit in 2020, but the remnant is rising up. You know, God's building his church. I'll tell you, it feels to me like we're preaching harder and stronger and more focused. Come on, DCC. When your pastor is getting down into the word on those hard passages, that's the time to clap. That's the time to amen. That's the time to encourage him as he's out there on that field. Because the seed, it wants to live. The seed wants to live. Our kids want to live. We got to prepare the ground. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.